All right, I, I'm going to introduce my brother back up here again. Come on up. And I, I don't really know what to say. We've already had our introduction, so do you, are you good with holding this? Okay. So I wasn't exactly sure how this uh, Sunday school was going to go or what you guys exactly wanted from me, but pastors are usually no, have no shortage of words. So uh, a guy by the name of Jack, um, who was one of the chief elders of a mega church in West Virginia that I was working on. A mega church in West Virginia usually is a church that, you know, got their second coffee pot. You know, it's, it, it's a pretty small, <laughs> West Virginia is sort of a third world country a little bit, <clears throat> but it's a true mega, a big old church in West Virginia. He was on the original crew who like helped start it in uh, Pastor Quint Pitt's living room. Pastor Quint is now our welcome home national director for Celebrate Recovery. Um, he started this church called Horizons about, I don't know, 20 plus years ago. And Jack was part of the original crew that that kind of was involved in starting the church. And Jack um, was a true pillar of the community and, a, and a, you know, one of the founding elders of the church as Horizon came up. They started meeting in a high school gym and, you know, just the church just grew and grew and grew. And pretty soon, you know, they're, they're starting to know this building project and he's giving towards the building project and, and giving his expertise around it and getting community partners involved in it. And uh, Jack had been a believer for like 40 plus years, um, came up at Horizon Church. His wife... Um, got involved in Celebrate Recovery at Horizons, where I started to work at. And uh, she got involved um, because of some prescription pills that she started using. I don't know if you guys know there's an opioid epidemic. Um, it, is, it is killing 140 people a day in this country. Every day, 140 people fatally overdose. That's can you imagine if that was like a flu epidemic? I mean, if we heard about a flu epidemic that was killing 140 people a day, wouldn't there be like panic in the streets? Or if like, you know, Chipotle was having bad chicken that was killing 140 people. You know, I mean, this, the, the country would be in an uproar. Um, but I digress. We, we, this stuff starts out so subtly. Doctors' prescriptions, um, pain medication can quickly become an issue. And and so this pillar of the community, his wife had gotten, gotten addicted to pain pills. And so she started coming to Celebrate Recovery, found some freedom there. But he's kind of a, you know, I'm a I'm pretty important part of this church. And if I start coming to Celebrate Recovery, what are people going to think, right? You walk through those doors, there's something wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? You go to CR, there's, already people are a little nervous because you get slapped with this thing. We're like, oh, I didn't know he had issues, you know. So he started taking her to celebrate recovery, but he wouldn't come through the doors. And he had this classic Corvette that he would just sit in the Corvette and he'd like listen to podcasts out there. And he's, you know, this is a guy in his early 60s and he's sitting out there and, and pretty soon his wife is just like, come on, Jack, just you can sit in the lobby, you know. And Jack is like, we all know Jack and it's cool. So he starts coming in the lobby and he's super nice and he's like, hey, you know, talking to everybody. But He's not coming in to CR, but pretty soon I see him just like Jimmy. He's kind of leaning on the back, and I hear him kind of hearing the testimonies and teachings. And pretty soon he starts kind of coming in and sitting down with his wife. And, oh, this is cool. Jack, he's one of the founding elders of the church, you know. 
Well, b- before I knew it, and I didn't know it, he started going to, uh, he signed up for a step study. Uh, do you guys know what a step study is? So Celebrate Recovery has open share groups, and then another night of the week, they have step study groups. And uh, these step study groups are nine-month to one-year processes that people get into. Do you guys have step studies open right now? Um, you can get involved in these things, and it's kind of the meat and potatoes of recovery. It's where a lot of amazing healing happens. And if, 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 if you're not in a step study, it's something you definitely want to get involved with. So he got involved in a step study, and I didn't know it. And I was preaching every three or four uh, sermons at the, at the church, and uh, I was going to preach a, a kind of a recovery sermon, and uh, Quint told me, hey, Jack is looking for you. Uh, the pastor of the church said, Jack's looking for you. So Jack comes up to me, and he goes, I talked to Quint, and he said, it's okay if I just take like five minutes of your uh, sermon. I said, well, it's my sermon, you know. He, talk to me about it. He goes, no, no. He says, I promise you, I'm just going to take five minutes. And I had no idea what he's going to say. So he gets up there, and I kind of do some stuff about recovery, and I kind of intro my thing, and then I said, okay, and here's Jack, and I'm like, what in the world? It kind of interrupted my flow, you know, what I was doing. So Jack goes, you know, he says, you know, hey, everybody, I'm Jack. You guys know me. I've been a pillar of the church. I don't know. know." And he says, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. He says, and I struggle with pornography. And you heard a collective gasp in the church. He said, I've been keeping this secret. He said, nobody knew about it, but I've had a pornography addiction for 40 plus years of my life. And I've been in church for close to 50. And this is the first time I've ever admitted that I had a problem. That's what Celebrate Recovery can do. And what happened when he did that? Our men's purity group the next Friday night was pretty full. I'll just say it that way, you know. When a person who's a church person admits that they struggle, it tells everybody it's okay to not be okay, right? And that's the, that's, that's the beauty of Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is the church, and the church is Celebrate Recovery. But we kind of like to think of Celebrate Recovery almost as the emergency room, of the hospital. If church is a hospital, CR is kind of that emergency room that you come into. And um, I was thinking about um, something Mark asked me, my brother-in-law, um, my other sister, Leah, has she changed her name or am I cool to call her Leah? Okay. Jeez. Leatrice or whatever. Where's Kathy? I'm sorry. Or Kathleen. Sorry, Kathy. I love you. <laughs> Mark, uh, we, were, we were talking about Celebrate Recovery, and Mark said, well, so, so tell me, you know, yes, kind of like, well, well where's Jesus in, in recovery? And I'm like, everywhere, everywhere. That Celebrate Recovery is what Christ called us to when he's talking about the Great Commission. And I, and I think one of the best ways to look at Celebrate Recovery is, is Luke 15. And uh, I think this is what the church is. This is what Celebrate Recovery is. This is what we're called to. And sometimes we kind of forget, I think. I'm a, I'm a pastor, and there's a lot of nuts and bolts that go on in church. More nuts than bolts, probably. But, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff that happens. You know, you get busy, you get caught up, and all kinds of ministries and stuff. But it's good to get back to the basics Luke 15 says the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They weren't saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Amen. <laughs> That's not what they were saying, was it? They were looking down their noses and saying, does this guy know who he's talking to? Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had 100 sheep and loses one of them. Then they leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls all his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. And he's telling the Pharisees this. You know, at one point in time, he, you know, the Pharisees are doing this again, and they're whispering, and Jesus says, hey, listen, the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick. Do you remember that? Now, do you think he was calling the Pharisees healthy? No, because at one point in time, he says, you are full of dead men's bones. That doesn't sound healthy to me, right? <laughs> he calls them a brood of vipers, you know. So you don't see this, that they, he's not saying they're righteous or healthy. What he ultimately is saying is those who admit that they need help are the ones who are going to get it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. But a lot of us are like, man, I don't want to mourn, man. I've got this myself. We think that church is the American ethic. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, we think the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Do you know where that's found? In the memoirs of Benjamin Franklin. Yes, that is not a, that's not in the Bible. You won't find that. It's like First Kardashians 318 or something like that, right? It's not, people say, oh, God helps those who help. No, he doesn't. God helps those who say, I cannot do it. God says his power, Paul says, God's power is perfected in our what? Weakness. And that's what Celebrate Recovery helps us to do. It helps us get to this place where we admit that we're weak. So if you're not real familiar with Celebrate Recovery, and you're like, man, I heard about the 12 steps. I don't know about all that stuff. It sounds like AA yeah, with a little bit of God in it. No, AA started as a Bible study. Did you know that? And just like all good things, it's gotten twisted over time in our culture. So now they say a God of your understanding. That is not how AA started. It started as a Bible study called the Oxford Movement, this Oxford group. And these three first principles of Celebrate Recovery are right here. And it's this idea, number one, realize I am not God. How many of you realize that? <laughs> yeah, every day. That I'm powerless over my tendency to do the wrong thing, Right? and that my life has become unmanageable. Now, if that was the first principle and there weren't any more, that would be a pretty hopeless, sad thing, you know? Everybody go home. God bless you. I'm powerless. But the second principle, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and he has the power to help me recover. Amen? Isn't that a good word? Yeah, amen. What if those three things we were able to tell people God exists, so you matter to him, and he's got the power to help you recover. Finally, number three, consciously choose to commit my life, 
and my will over to God's care. Oh, he cares about me. And control. Uh-oh, right? He's in charge. Those are the three principles that Celebrate Recovery starts out with. Doesn't that sound like Christianity to you? So if anybody says, I don't know about this CR stuff, just all you got to do is quote those three principles. They're real easy. This idea that Jesus Christ came and died to save a wretch like all those screwed up people. No, like me, is what recovery is all about. And as Jesus is giving this explanation to the Pharisees, I hope we hear it as a church, that the coolest part about this is that Jesus doesn't stop there. He, and I won't read all of it, but he says, listen, I want you to hear this so closely that this is the vision that I have for you and for the church. Then I'm going to give you three examples. And he does it right in a row. He says, let's say you lose a sheep if you're a shepherd. He knows his audience, right? You lose that sheep, you go after one more. Okay, you don't get that. What if you lost a coin of great value? Wouldn't you just tear across your house to find that, that coin? And if you find it, won't you then invite all your friends and celebrate? It's got the same components. Oh, you still don't get that? Let's say you lost a son. There's the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. You guys read that? And you get to this place where he wants your inheritance. He says to his dad, I wish you were dead. Basically, that's how you got an inheritance, right? The son goes off to wild living. I think this is the codependency parable right here, okay? So the, the son goes off into wild living. Does the dad then go chase him into town? What does he do? He just, you don't, he just, hey. He's a rich man, so I'm sure he knows what's going on. But he allows his son that decision to do bad things, to make mistakes. That son gets all the way to the point where he loses everything. What was he doing at the very, remember when he hit bottom, what, what was he doing? He was eating what? He was so hungry, he'd gladly eat the pods that were being fed to the pigs. Here's the turn. If you're struggling with somebody to try to love somebody who's in addiction or you're struggling in a codependent relationship, this is maybe the most important little scripture in, in the whole Bible. No one would give him anything. Sometimes the best way to love somebody is to let him go. And he had this moment of clarity and he turns and he starts heading back and he says, at least at my father's house, the servants get treated better. I'll just say, hey, I'll be a servant. And what does God do? The father. My son has gone home, come home. He welcomes him, puts his coat around him, puts his ring on his finger. People celebrate, but there's one person who's not celebrating. Do you know who it was? The church can be that brother. What about us 99 in this room? What about us? I'm not getting fed. Uh, what about us? Aren't, we're in church too. We've, we've done all the right things. Aren't you going to take care of it? And God says, that's not the point. If you've been found, you need to go do the finding. This isn't a social club. 
Your pastor brought Celebrate Recovery in here to, not for the 99 to get taken care of, but for the 99 to go out and become the seekers. Because Jesus doesn't exist out here in the world except inside of you in his body. Did you know the church is the body of Jesus Christ? And we sometimes we know that churchy word, but the body means that we are his hands. We are his feet. And if we're not going out there, we're not actually fulfilling the mission of the church. But your pastor brought this in here to say, we're going to go get that one more. That one more is going to come here. They're going to surrender their life. We're going to celebrate. And then we're going to do what? We're going to go and just sit around and have a potluck. We're going to go back out there and go get one more. Amen? That's what recovery is all about. That's why this ministry is here. That's why I feel like Eric, I know Eric has been doing this for a long time. He's a state rep for, you've been a state rep for 52 years, 53? Five years, okay. Eric's one of the heroes of this recovery movement. Um, I don't know, isn't that why you got involved? You just see like this thing that's so purely the gospel, so real and the life change stories. It just feels like this is what God meant when he was talking about seeking, saving, and sending. And I'm so proud of Kathy, Pete, all those of you who are doing this ministry. It's just absolutely powerful and remarkable um, what's going on here. The whole church seems to have buy-in, so pumped up about what you guys are doing. Uh, I wanted to leave time for Q&A. Uh, is that okay? We do some. Do you guys have any questions about how much time do we have? Ten minutes. Do you guys have any questions about, about the ministry, about what, what's going on in Celebrate Recovery? Um, I've been involved in the national team. Just stepped down. It was a good recovery move for me um, to spend more time with my family and do some other things. But I've been involved nationally for, you know, 11, 12 years. Um, and it's really grown. It's in churches all over the country, all over the world. Heard about a um, Celebrate Recovery in Mongolia that meets in like huts. There's a, a Celebrate Recovery uh, that Bob Wood talked about. I think it was in South America. They don't have a written language, so they use pictures. And he showed us some of the pictures of the eight principles, which were pretty cool. Um, so so recovery is happening all over the country. It's happening in prisons. Uh, we have uh, Celebrate Recovery on the inside in our uh, Celebrate Recovery at home, my wife is going into a women's uh, prison. We got a couple of guys going into three different county prisons and bringing the gospel into prisons. Celebrate Recovery is reaching uh, veterans. Um, and uh, where's just awesome testimony. Uh, how important is it to have Celebrate Recovery for our veterans who are coming back and they don't, uh, what I hear from veterans is they come home and they were out there saving the world basically and now they're pushing paper and they don't have the, the camaraderie and Welcome Home provides those things, provides them a purpose, a place to go and feel like they can share some of their struggles. So we have the Welcome Home group. We've got some stuff happening within the mental health, trying to remove the stigma of mental health. Um, again, we have the opioid epidemic that we're trying to go after. Um, so there's all kinds of angles and pieces of this globally that are happening. Peter. Yes, sir. Would you stand and introduce you? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead and ask us. Okay, yeah, so um, I believe this is, so 
I'm just going to say it. Our Celebrate Recovery is something that has come out of me making every mistake that you possibly can make in a Celebrate Recovery ministry. So I've learned how to do things the wrong way. So when I tell you that our Celebrate Recovery is what it is, it's because I've learned how to do it the right way from making all the mistakes. But every Friday night, we have between 350 and 400 people every Friday night. And this is only after four years. And this church can do that. It's, it's not because of anything special. It's because we're running it by the book. If you don't have a ministry for the children, you lose out on a lot of opportunities, not only for your um, you know, parents to have a place to bring their children. That's obvious, right? But it is also a place to do pre-covery. Children need to know that it's okay to talk about their struggles because that's where you learn. I don't know, but that's where you learn that it's not okay to talk about that stuff. That's where a lot of damage happens, abuse happens. I've heard statistics that one out of every three women, and I think it's higher, have been sexually abused as children. That's where some horrible things are happening. Man, to have a place to go as a kid to be able to share your hurts and your hangups and your habits is so powerful. So every Friday night, we've got about 60 to 70 children that come to Celebration Place, and kids are bringing their parents to celebrate recovery now. And they're like, please, let's go. And they dra- if the parents are like, I don't know if I want to come tonight, the kids are dragging their parents to celebrate recovery. We also have what's called the landing. I mean, good grief. How many of you know that students, teenagers, need recovery? Amen. And we have 60 to 70 kids at, on our uh, Friday night are coming to a youth group that's all about recovery stuff, man. And they're awesome. They come and they lead worship. My kids have been both through Celebration Place and The Landing. And so we started a, right away when we started Celebrate Recovery, we started with Celebration Place. And then it took us a little while to get The Landing off the ground, but it was so worth it. So it takes time to develop these things, but please pray about it. What I, what I often do is I'll, I'll be at a conference and I'll ask, can I give away one Celebration Place kit? And I'll give that a ministry, a Celebration Place kit, and I'll say, just pray, just buy the kit or I'm going to give you the kit, pray over it, and once you are equipped, God will send you the people to run that ministry. So if you love children, if you're involved with children um, and partnering with your, your, your children's uh, pastor is really important, as well. Um, or if you love teenagers, that's a huge ministry. The landing is already kind of set up for you to, to run that. Um, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. And then Eric and some other, you know, I think you guys have a, a landing NCP rep in Minnesota, I'm pretty sure that you can connect with. Yeah. And so that that's something that if, if you guys could pray about, I would love for you to, to check that out. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah, so the Celebration Place is basically, um, well, we separate Celebration Place into Celebration Place Mini and Celebration Place. But Celebration Place is basically birth to about fifth grade. And then the landing is sixth grade to senior high. And so we don't want any 18, anybody below 18 in our open share groups because there's a lot of adult stuff that goes on in those open share groups. I don't mind having people under 18 being in our Large group time, and if you are new to Celebrate Recovery, 
Um, Celebrate Recovery is worship. Start with worship, just like a church service, worship. Then a large group where you have a teaching or a testimony. And then you break up into open share groups that are gender specific for men and for women. And we, we just tend to not want 17 or under in those open share groups. Um, so that's the difference. Student ministry is the landing, sixth grade up to senior. And we're trying to divide our middle schoolers, you know, because a seventh grader and a senior are going to have two different, <laughs> pretty different issues, you know. Um, so the landing is for the students and celebration places for the children. Good question. Yes, ma'am. Good question. Celebrate recovery on the inside is going to be something that they have specific. It's the same Bible, same participant guides. It's made differently because you can't have staples sometimes in there. You can't have hard covers because they'll figure out a way to make a something to kill people with with books. <laughs> it's pretty scary. Uh, so the the materials different and available through celebrate recovery inside, and usually it's cheaper in bulk and stuff. Sometimes, too, if you go into a jail, it's going to be different than a prison because prison's long-term, so a lot of times you can run a whole step study through, but jail is so transitionary that a lot of times... Has anybody heard of Life's Healing Choices? Life's Healing Choices is an eight-week process that's kind of like CR light. So, yeah, if you get a chance, hopefully in your information uh, table, you have Life's Healing Choices. It's by John Baker and Rick Warren. And they give you the eight healing choices. And there's a curriculum around that that only takes eight weeks. And so if you're kind of going into a transition home or like a situation where you only have a little, you know, sometimes in mission, people do this in like a, a rescue mission or something like that, that eight-week process is a lot easier to do. So I would, if you're interested in prison ministry, I'd, be a, I'd have that available, how, how to do that eight-week process as well. Somebody over there? Yes, sir. Right. What I talk to is, what I do is talk to the pastors because I've been the pastor and am the pastor who's the counseling pastor or, you know, have pastors who the, the counseling load falls on them. And so when you talk to a pastor, one of the selling features is celebrate recovery decreases your counseling load. Because I know a lot of times if you have a congregation of, I don't know, how many people yeah, 150, 200 people, and you say, hey, I do counseling. You know, it, it, it's overwhelming at times. So to be able to say, like, hey, you're struggling with depression, let me, let me refer you to Celebrate Recovery down the road. It is phenomenal. It'll help you. It's the support that you need. You're struggling with anxiety. Man, there's this incredible ministry down the street. So that's where I usually start is saying, hey, pastor, this will decrease your counseling load because pastors can hear, you know, Somebody comes and says, man, I'm struggling with like a sexual addiction or I'm struggling. They're like, whoa, you know, it's, it's a little overwhelming. So just to be able to have that answer and be able to say, I want to walk with you through this, but there's also this CR program that you might want to check out down the road is a really good, good place to start. And then just, you know, being able to say to people, and it's a, it's a tough thing, is like, you know, your struggle is something that, you know, we help with and having like the actual open share group material for them so they can kind of read through it. Like the group descriptions, I try to carry those around if I go to other 
other churches and say, here are all the open share groups that we have. And they're like, oh, wow, you have one. What's codependency? And you're kind of like, I don't know, but I'm one of them. I'll tell you what happened in my life. <laughs> my fix is fixing people. You know, that's kind of what I do. So, um, but yeah, it's plugging into a pastor and saying, hey, we want to help. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. This will help you. Yeah. Good question. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> that's a good one. Briefly. So, so I do a training on codependency and, and, and um, there's all kinds of ways that people describe it. Um, I think the best one is that when a codependent gets into a life and death situation, um, well, I won't go there. Anyway, so Celebrate Recovery's codependency stuff is usually about somebody who's an addict and the person who's trying to love them. How do you love somebody responsibly? Codependency is when all of your attention is on a person instead of an, an issue. And so what I usually get down to when I'm defining codependency is it's like kind of people worship. It's an obsession around people, whether it's approval addiction. Anybody struggle with approval addiction or people-pleasing? Um, but the, the classic, it came out of the recovery movement where somebody who is struggling with codependency is somebody who's an enabler a lot of times. So if you're an addict, you usually need somebody to enable your addiction. And so codependency helps that person to get support around somebody who is struggling with an addiction. And so uh, for me as a codependent, I'll just say, my wife had an eating disorder. And when I failed to help her, I felt like I was a failure. When I was not able to fix my wife, I felt like there was something wrong with me, and I began to kind of hate my wife. And if I couldn't fix her, then I felt like, um, I don't know, I felt like I was in a position where, you know, God couldn't use me and that there was something broken in me. So um, codependents get into a place where they throw everything away, give money away to the addict, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy, heavy deal. So when you first start Celebrate Recovery, you usually want to have an addiction group, and then you want to have something for the spouse <laughs> of an addict. And that's when we first launched Celebrate Recovery. Those are the two open share groups we usually want to have. We want to have a men's dependency group and a women's dependency group and a men's codependency group in a women's codependency group. And I cannot tell you how many times a, a wife will drag her husband, and that's usually how it goes, drag her husband to recovery meeting, and then she is the, end, the one who ends up staying and saying, I was the one who needed the most help, right? And so enabling is a, is a thing that happens quite often in addiction. And if you don't help the enabler, it's really hard to help the addict. Does that, does that make any sense? Um, so there's so many different angles of it. Uh, for me, it, it's, it's hit so many pieces and parts of my life. Um, if I would share and preach at a church and I didn't feel like I did a good job or got enough pats on the back, I would feel like a failure and I would fall apart, you know. So there's just a lot of different angles to codependency. But ultimately, there seems to be a, a certain group of people who struggle with stuff and a certain group of people who struggle with relationships and people. 
and codependents are more on the people side. But I can send you some information about it. I have gone five minutes over, Pastor. Do you want to close this out? In, in fact, why don't you stay up here? Um, yeah, we're very time conscious here, so. <laughs> They're starting a group just for preachers like me who go over all the time. Um, I want to thank you for coming. You made the trek up here from North Carolina to be with us on this day, and uh, we've been looking forward to it for a long time, and uh, we've been seeing what God is doing through these, these kind of discussion groups and, and now the worship time that we've enjoyed together, and, and uh, we saw a fruit of it this, just this morning with the testimonies. And so thank you for, for what you've done to facilitate this over the years. Thank you for coming today and sharing with us. Uh, God used you in a powerful way today, and we appreciate it. And we'd like to pray for you. Yeah. You, um, you didn't get a chance to speak to this, but you're, you're involved in a ministry regarding opioid addictions. Could you, could you take just a Promise a minute and I promise. Okay. Well, a minute. <laughs> yeah. So, opioid um, the opioid epidemic, like I said, is is something that is destroying all kinds of lives and um, and to the codependency thing. I, I have a video if you go on my Facebook where there's two moms who lost sons to addiction who kind of share about their enabling and their journey of, of losing their sons. And it makes it real personal because the statistics are just mind-boggling. Um, three different fronts that started this thing. Number one is the pharmaceutical co companies um, lied to the public. Um, and um, basically, from a tiny little editorial in the New England School of Medicine that said that opioids were not addictive, the pharmaceutical reps went out and just sold a bill of goods, and pretty soon, the, just, you know, everybody's using opioids. Number two, black tar heroin coming up from Mexico. When people run out of money and can't buy pills, black tar heroin is super cheap. And pretty soon, the college kid who's got a full scholarship you know, to play football, is in the street shooting up. Um, and, and it doesn't take long to do that. And number three, and I think this is really important for the church, is that the VA introduced the fifth vital sign. Do you guys know what it is? It's the pain scale. And it's the only subjective vital sign. So people will come in the hospital and they say, what's your pain? And they'd say a 10, you know. And they had to treat it, and they started treating it with opioids. So we have a huge, is there anybody out there who knows somebody who's been affected by the opioid epidemic? Yeah. I mean, just look around. It's crazy. And so Celebrate Recovery, um, we're doing this movement called One More, where um, we're just, we know that we can't, you know, we can't go out and, and change the fact that 57,000 people um, a year right now, specifically are dying from opioids, 70,000 overdosing, but we can just go after one more. And so um, I'd love to partner with you guys, ways to, to do something we had talked about planning and, and uh, 
putting together a breakfast for first responders or um, having a training on, do you guys know what Narcan is or Naloxone is? So Narcan is basically, it's called the Lazarus drug, is that we want all of our CR people to be carrying Narcan. Um, it's just a, um, an inhaler that you have, you can have it in your vehicle, you can have it on your person. And if you administer it to somebody who is fatally overdosed, they like, whoosh, they go from dead to alive really fast. And um, so it's pretty powerful stuff. People have, have um, had testimonies of three or four times where they've been brought back to life, finally given their life over to Jesus Christ. Uh, Narcan was a big part of that. So I'd love to help you guys um, start that uh, initiative as well. So thank you for sharing. That's okay. I'd like to pray for John as we close. Uh, Lord, thank you for your, your son and your servant, John, who has come to share with us today. You have used him in a mighty way, and we praise you for, for the way you've used him and for who he is. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the movement that you have begun among us, a movement of transparency and a movement of, of repentance and a movement towards you, towards, towards your abundant life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can say with confidence that... Um, that our, our victory is in you, and, uh, and you will lead us into the new life that you have. So we ask your blessing on John as he, as he leaves. We ask your blessing on his ministry and ministry direction. May you continue to use him and his family for your purposes, for your glory, and for the res restoration of countless lives. So we, we are, we're overwhelmed today, Lord Jesus, with what we've heard, experienced, and encountered with you. So thank you for this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray, our Redeemer.